0: This week on Buckets, Boards and Blocks, we're talking NBA playoffs with a writer, podcaster, and a man who appreciates bigs that can pass the rock. And he's standing by, but first, Darlene, let's run it.
1: Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former 3-and-D baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. Thanks, Darlene. Okay, so this person we said is a writer, a podcaster for BasketballNews.com. He's also written for Bleacher Report, SB Nation, Dime, Five Reasons Sport, and Miami Heat Beat. His podcast, The Dunker Spot, which I was privileged to grace earlier this year, is pretty dope. His co-host, Steve Jones Jr., takes a deep dive into all things NBA each week, and they are both good for some incredible breakdowns from highlights of both NBA and WNBA games that get into the real intricate details. He is the one and only Nakias Duncan. Nikaias, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me on. I'm very happy to be here.
1: Um... Uh, I know King was supposed to take this first question, but I'm curious, how long does it take you to do all those breakdown things? Cause I was like, they do this all the time and it's so good.
2: Like the full thread or just an individual video? It really depends.
1: Give me a thread. Cause how long does it take y'all to get a thread done?
2: Oh Jesus. um, Probably a couple of hours. Cause I have a separate site up to have um like the game clips in. So it's kind of, it's three tabs. The game is up, There's a separate site to get the clips. And then it's Twitter to knock them out. So I just kind of go back and forth between those three tabs. So it takes quite a bit. Oh, uh,
1: yeah.
2: Well, let's
0: jump into NBA (laughs) talk because I woke up this morning super lit. Nikai, you might not know, I'm from Dallas. So I woke up super lit this morning. Let me tell you why. Because my guy Luka Doncic went stupid last night. But what's up with the Clippers? Like, I, I was good with the Clippers. Like, is it? Was it Doc or was it just PG and Kawhi? Like, I, I, what's
2: up with the Clippers? I think the most important thing here is that the Clippers just don't have an answer for Luca. Mm. Like, the switching isn't working, or I should say, the soft switching definitely isn't working. They're allowing Luca to kind of dictate whatever matchup he wants to go after, and then the Clippers are left scrambling from there because he always picks out like the smaller guy or the, just the flat-out worst defender on the perimeter. And once he's able to gain an advantage, he can fling passes across the lot. He can't finish at the rim. If it's a smaller dude on him, puts him on his hip, he posts them up. And the Clippers just don't know what to do with that. And once you combine that with the fact that Dallas is hitting just about everything from three, it's just an avalanche. Who
1: would you pick in that series?
2: I picked the Clippers in six.
1: All right. Clippers in six. Uh, do you now predict that to go otherwise? I mean, it's, it's going to take more than six.
2: Uh, I'm feeling a little bit uneasy about it, honestly. I mean, I guess the encouraging thing is that the Clippers were able to score at a pretty high rate in game two, and they did not score well against Dallas during the regular season series at all, even in one of the wins. Like, I think they only got up to, like, 109 points in that win, if I remember correctly. But they got to figure out something with the defense. Like, I don't know what the answer is. Like, I lost my mind. I was able to catch um, the back end of that game in particular. Well, for game two, since I was watching the Lakers Suns game first, the amount of time that I've seen a point guard matched up on Luca is infuriating. <laughs> to have Re- to have Reggie Jackson on the court with another small guard, like you can't have Reggie, you can't have Reggie Jackson and Patrick Beverly on the court at the same time. But like listen,
0: you- but listen, but listen, but listen. Here's my thing: we got a team full of quote unquote defenders. You got Patrick Beverly. You have Rajon Rondo. You have uh, Kawhi, you got PG, you got Serge Ibaka. These guys have been known for their defense. So I, I don't understand like how they can get cooked this bad by Luka. Is Luka that good or, or, or is it just the scheme or what? Because I, I'm not understanding when you have those caliber defenders, those who made a career off of playing defense and they are getting cooked two games in a row. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit.
2: Uh, I mean, the short, to answer all those questions, the short answer is yes, because it's a little bit of all of it. Like, it's cool to put Kawhi Leonard on Luka Doncic, or it's cool to put Paul George on Luka Doncic. But that doesn't matter if you're going to switch literally everything, because all Luka going to do is call for a small guard to screen for him. And then with no resistance at all, they're just going to switch the matchup. So it, it just kind of neutralizes what PG or Kawhi can do on ball. And that's why I made a point at the end of the show. It's not necessarily the switching, it's the soft switching. Like, it's fine to switch actions if a screen is set and you want to keep things in front. If a guy just walks into the general vicinity and then you switch the matchup anyway, there's no work being done. And then Luka is just able to establish a rhythm. Like, that's what happened in game one. Like, it wasn't necessarily that Zubac did a bad job on him. It's that Zubac is going to give him a little bit of cushion because he's a five. And the Clippers did not make him work at all to get that matchup. And once Luka got going on those step backs and the ridiculous shots he was making in the first quarter, it was just an avalanche for the rest of the game. So game two, it's mostly the same thing. It's Luka just running a high screen and roll, picking out whatever matchup he wants, and the Clippers are just giving it to him on a platter. He establishes a rhythm. And then once you start sending those late doubles that didn't really work or try to mix up the coverages there, he's able to make passes and the shooters get in rhythm. And once everyone's in the rhythm, there's only so much you can do. Mm
1: -hmm. so you're saying that the clippers just need to make a schematic physical adjustment and are not necessarily of the camp that this team just doesn't have it in terms of competitiveness grit and all those things yeah i think
2: it's more scheme to that like i don't think they're going to i don't think they're folding mentally or anything like that it's just they're not putting enough pressure on luca like i think it's fine to switch because you don't want to play drop defense against him like he's just too good of a passer to make that work Mm -hmm. and like even with the traps, it's really coming down to timing. Like, if it comes too early, he's able to see where it's coming from. And you can pick it out. And if it's coming too late, then your defense, like, the back line rotations behind the trap aren't necessarily great. So they need to tighten that up a little bit. But it's just the switching. Like, if you're going to switch, only switch when you get hit with a screen. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fine. You, yeah. can't, you can't just – they are giving
1: it up way too easily. All right. You mentioned – The game that you were watching, like most of us last night. And and before we let you go, make sure we get into this idea of the changing of the guard in the NBA. Because I think this is a really unique year, unique time, especially as we see these guys, what, all under 23, kind of asserting themselves in big time moments. Luca, Trey, Ja, um, Donovan, maybe when he gets back. Anyway, Lakers sons. Lakers evened it up yesterday. I have maintained that AD has to be the catalyst defensively, almost I wouldn't say more important than offensively, but I think if he's playing well defensively, you see more energy on the offensive side of the ball. He's a little bit more consistent. And so yesterday he comes out and get that block on DeAndre Ayton early in the ball game. Mm-hmm. And the Suns still fight. Cameron Payne was excellent in the, abs- in the absence of CP3, but I- it just feels like if games continue to be close with this version of LeBron and AD awake and focus, it's not going to be enough. From
2: the signs. uh the Chris Paul injury hurts, and that's an incredibly dull thing to say. But you needed that level of shot creation and playmaking to kind of complement what Devin Booker does. And with Paul basically playing with one arm, like Cameron Payne did have a great game. Cameron Payne is not bending your defense; like he's just not top notch priority. The Lakers aren't going to shift a bunch of attention to there if he bombs away from three or whatever. They're just going to tip their cap and say, "Well, they beat us." With a guy like Chris Paul with his ability to pass, it makes it a little bit more difficult to send those double teams to Devin Booker like they have through the first couple of games. Because you have to worry about Chris Paul kind of dicing you apart on the second side of the floor. And now you eliminate that, Ah, that's just a tall task, man. Because, like, Devin Booker can cook, can tell Caldwell Pope. He's a fine defender, but, like, Booker's just better. But once you start sending doubles and then you kind of rotate behind that double and you're not scared of anyone else – and you already have like 80 at the five on the back line. You have LeBron James roaming the passing lanes or whatever. It, you're asking a lot. And it's not like the Suns get a ton of easy baskets anyway, because they are a team that likes to walk it up and kind of grind in the half court. Mm-hmm. And that is right in LA's wheelhouse. They are fine with kind of slowing things down because on the other end of the floor, they could post LeBron up whenever, they could post Anthony Davis whenever. They can run pick and roll between those two. You can have a small guy screen for LeBron whenever he wants to and just kind of dissect it that way. So if you're getting into a half court battle with the Lakers, as wonky as their defense has been, they have two built in options that you can't really defend. And I, the Paul injury just stinks, man. Yeah,
0: I'd agree. I I think that that's just a testament to his greatness. How great Chris Paul really is, because with him on the court, I think I think they can beat the Lakers. I think that they're just that they're, they're, they're talented. They can, they can they can they can defend them. I think they can win. But without Paul, I think they have no chance. I don't think I think Karen Payne is good. but I don't think he's at the level right now where he can take on that task, make plays and score the ball on a consistent basis to, to, to beat the Lakers. So you're right. but I think that's the testament to how great Chris Paul really is, though.
2: Yeah, like that—that's just too much to ask for Cameron Payne, and he had a great game offensively. Defensively, it's kind of the same issue with the Lakers. Yeah. You can—you can pick on a guy like Cameron Payne just because of the size. Yeah. So, and Chris Paul has the track record of defending up a position whenever he needs to. He just has that kind of grit, that kind of IQ, has the quick hands, kind of bother guys on post-ups. Cameron Payne doesn't really bring that aspect. Definitely different. All right,
1: let's keep going through the West. Um... Dang, Chris Paul! I feel like he catches the worst breaks in the worst time. Like, it just blows
0: for real. Though, um, <laughs> I,
1: I still, I still contend that things could have gone different in that Houston Golden State series if he didn't get hurt. But anyway, um, who else in the West? Okay, Nuggets Blazers. This is, I think, the Nuggets Blazers and Heat Heat Bucks were the two series that had me most like, ooh, I don't know how this is gonna go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bla- game one nuggets obviously respond terrific game from joker michael porter jr continues to take big time steps what do you like or not like here on that matchup Nikai?
2: uh this is as someone that loves defense this is not (laughs) really the series for me (laughs) because like i don't think either team really has the personnel to defend the other and that makes for some fun high scoring basketball but also i'm just watching some of these lapses like with Denver pl- defending the way that they do, playing aggressively and pick and roll. Like, there's so much strain on that back line. and okay. just wa-
1: Okay, okay. Well, then, did you appreciate Aaron Gordon's second-half defensive job on Damian Lillard in game two, holding them to just 10 points after what he had, like, three, two in the first half or something
2: crazy? Yeah, I thought he was going for, like, 55, 60. So, shout-out to Aaron Gordon for, making, for taking on that challenge and then also doing a great job of it. I will say I don't know how much I love that particular matchup long term mm-hmm. because Gary Gordon is good at I mean, he's a good defender, a rangy defender. But like asking him to fight over as many screens as Portland may ask him to do, if he refused to take that matchup from tip. That worries me a little bit. And the other thing about that is having him at the point of attack means he's not making those back line rotations. It's kind of solely on Michael Porter Jr. at that point. And that is a bit of a tricky ask for him, even though he's made some improvements. So we'll just have to see how that goes.
0: Mm. I saw I, I saw Stephen A. today make a make a take when he said talking about Nerkich. And he was like Nurkic is way too talented to be getting cooked by Jokic in the post the way that he gets cooked. And you know what? At first I was like, Jokic is really good. He's an MVP candidate. So like maybe, you know what I'm saying? Then I'm like, bro, Nurkic is good. Nurkic is getting destroyed down low. I'm talking about baby food and Jokic is making this doula. Like he just stepped on the court like a week a week or two ago. I, 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 what, what, what do you expect them to do on Jokic from, from, from this point forward?
2: I, I mean, I think that's just a matchup they want to eat. I mean, I talked about this on the Dunker Spot with Steve um, following game ones. So I was like... I was surprised that Portland kind of stuck with their plan because they seemed pretty bent on not sending double teams on him. Like they want this, the plan was basically all right, he's going to cook. We just don't want him to beat us with the passing because yeah. once everyone's involved, then they become more dangerous. So they've stuck to that plan. They're not sending a bunch of doubles at Jokic, and Jokic is the most talented post scorer that we have in the sport. So at a certain point, you just got to ask Nurkic to do his best. His best is not good enough. You just got to hope those other guys don't get hey, off. Would
0: you, would you argue that, that that Jokic might be top five post-score of all time that we've ever seen in our game?
2: Mm. That's
1: so stressful.
2: Post-score. <laughs> post-score, I need to see a longer sample size. Like, post-player, because you're factoring again the passing too, like, that he... Might end up in that class if he's not there already. Like just to have that blend of strength, the shooting, the footwork, and then again, he can make whatever pass you want to—kickouts, cuts. Like he's easily one of the most lethal guys. I have to think a little bit more to put a firm yeah. number Producer on Bruce it.
1: Bruce is chiming in in the chat with some names you guys might know: Kareem, Kevin McHale, Will Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. So all time—that's why I say all time—stresses me out. Like, <laughs> 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 uh, all right, let's keep going through the West. You know, my new adopted team. I got my home team in the Wizards. I got my work team in the Knicks. And now my new adopted team, apparently, the Memphis Grizzlies.
2: (laughs) These are (laughs) a lot of teams.
1: Um, Grizzlies and Jazz. I have said, and I think King has heard this take, um, I wasn't necessarily sure about the Jazz because I just felt like outside of Donovan, they're slow. And I get how well they shot the three. I get how well they defended as a team. But to me, if Rudy Gobert is occupied, a.k.a. Jonas Valanciunas has him tied up, that just kind of changes the whole complexion of everything they do. And so I think Memphis actually has a unique formula to pull off something. But we got to see what Donovan looks like in his return in game two.
2: I came into the series concerned for Memphis because I didn't know how they were going to be able to score consistently. And it wasn't, I mean, I I actually wrote a piece about the way that they attacked Utah in the second half of that game with the kind of pick and rolls that they went after. And it was interesting to see how they attacked Utah in that drop scheme and just kind of bringing more bodies into the play and affecting the point of attack defenders that way. So I'm curious to see if they can continue that formula just to get some buckets, because I mean, I don't think the Grizz, I don't think the Jazz have a great answer for job from like a speed perspective. Like their best perimeter defender is Royce O'Neill, I believe, and he's not that quick. And asking Mike Conley to do that for 38, 40 minutes, like he's a good defender in his own right, but that's a lot for him to fight through and then also be asked to create offense on the other end. So I think they have some pathways to make this closer. Ultimately, Utah missed a ton of open shots in game one. And as they got better as the game went on, like they still didn't shoot particularly well. And just looking at some advanced numbers, like they had, uh, I believe it was a 134 offensive rating in of the second half of that game. And they still lost just because of the deficit they had in the first half. So as the shots go down and as you get down from Mitchell back, who was another guy that can kind of force rotations, I still don't really see it for Memphis in this series. Yeah, Like it's, it just seems like too tall of a task for me.
0: I'd agree. I'd agree 100%. I I don't think Memphis has enough, especially when Donovan comes back. However, I don't know if the Jazz have enough to move past that that, that, that second round.
1: Um, So we'll see. It's such a great year, guys. All right. Is that all the East? I mean, the West? All right, cool. Let's swing it over to the East. Uh, what's the most intriguing matchup in the East for you, Nikaias?
2: Well, coming into the playoffs, it was Heat Bucks. But at, but at this point, I... Yeah. You think that's done? Like, I picked Milwaukee in six, full disclosure. But, like, the way that they have dominated, the way they dominated game two was a little bit stark. Like, the shooting is unsustainable. All right. But even beyond that, just the way that they attacked Miami is interesting. Like putting Giannis on Jimmy Butler has thrown their offense for a loop. And I didn't expect that to be a thing. Like game one, Jimmy shoots terribly. I felt like they were, I mean, he missed a lot of shots, obviously, but also I felt like there were some pockets in pick and roll in particular with Giannis guarding him that he could have attacked and he just didn't. And then you had Bam being as passive as he was. And then game two, like the floodgates just kind of open. So I don't know if there's anything, I don't think there's much to take from that game, but the adjustments are still there. Like they still have Giannis on Jimmy, that's mucking things up. They're playing that deep drop against Bam and kind of daring him to be aggressive and he hasn't been. And then on the other end, the Bucks look a lot more comfortable just hunting out mismatches. Like anytime Kendrick Nunn is on Chris Middleton, it's a clear out and it's a double and then it's a kick out. Or if it's not a double, then Chris Middleton's getting a bucket. Um, Giannis is just kind of abusing guys in the paint still. I don't know if Brent Ford is going to shoot like that again, but the looks are going to be there if they're going to involve him in those dribble handoffs or just have him trailing in transition like that. So like, I don't feel like the Heat have really gotten their legs under him in this series. So I, I'm just worried about how that's going to continue to go.
1: Uh, I had Bucks in seven. I did. We agree on the Bucks getting out, but they, yeah, they've been more dominant than I anticipated. I just think the Heat are just too prideful of an organization. They got to get at least one at home. I, I don't think it's gonna go this
0: way the rest of the way. I don't know. What you thinking? Uh, I, I think it's pretty much uh, I ain't gonna say over, but I, I I'd probably say bucks and five, to be honest. I think the way they dominated game too was just it, it, was good. it was gonna it's how the series probably gonna go for the rest of the for the rest of the time. He'd probably get one, because you're right, they are kind of like gritty and tough, so they're not gonna go outside like that. So I say bucks and five, maybe six.
1: Woo! Woo, woo, woo! All right, uh, let's knock this one out. Celtics, Nets.
0: <laughs> Poor Bruce.
1: <laughs> Poor Bruce. Uh, I tell you what. What have you thought about the continuity that the Celtics or not Celtics? Excuse me. The Nets have given. It's okay, Bruce. It's okay. Um, the continuity from the Nets, even the defense, particularly in Game Two. I saw some passing stat yesterday that suggested their defense in Game Two had been some of their best all year. Yeah.
2: I mean, cool, I guess, is kind of my ta- <laughs> takeaway. Like, I just don't know what to, do, what to do with this version of the Celtics. Like, I, I went, full disclosure, I went Brooklyn in five because I figured Tatum would have a game. And I guess that's still on the table. But, like, I don't love what I've seen from Kemba. And he's needed to be that second guy to give Boston a real mm-hmm. shot. Tatum was having to work incredibly hard. Like, they've tried to go after, like, Blake Griffin on switches and stuff. But ultimately, it's still a lot of jumpers for Tatum, and he's still seeing a lot of bodies whenever he does decide to drive, and there aren't many players to trust. And I end up tweeting this during game, too. Like, I don't understand what Evan Fournier did to Brooklyn. I, I have – there de- like, Kemba was on the floor, Jabari Park was on the floor, and, like, Brooklyn every time down, it's like, all right, let's run the screen, let's get Evan Fournier the play, let's attack him. And I'm just like, what did he do? It's just, it's just kind of it's just kind of rude what they done to that man. But on Brooklyn's standpoint, like I like that their playing. They definitely had more of a cohesive plan in game two than it did in game one. I feel like they settled a lot, and it just didn't matter because they out-talented Boston, which they should do for the rest of the series. But the defense of intensity did pick up. They were able to flow a lot easier in game two. Joe Harris just shot the leather off the ball because there's only so much attention you can pay to him when you have Kyrie and Harden and KD on the floor together. So. Good for Brooklyn. I'm just, kind of, I'm just kind of tired of seeing Boston at this point, to be completely honest with you. Like, this is a wounded animal. I got it.
1: Same thing. I'm oh, my like <laughs> Look,
0: this is my take. I think Boston picking up Evan Fournier was probably the worst, one of the worst decisions that they could have done. Like, I just – Really? I, just me as a basketball player, I just don't see how Evan Fournier could provide anything to that team. Like, I feel like that – because they're not a great defensive team. I feel like you put uh, Fournier in, he's not a great great, great defensive player. He's a good offensive player, but he just provides another offensive player with no defense. So, like, I just don't see what his addition to that team really was. That's just my take, though.
2: Like, I think, uh, obviously, before Jalen Brown gets hurt and everything just gets thrown for a loop, like, I get the appeal of getting another wing scorer in there to kind of complete their smaller lineups. Because I think with the loss of Gordon Hayward, they were a wing short when they, wanted to go so, when they wanted to go small. So getting a guy like Fournier that can work on or off the ball, you know, doesn't take a bunch of touches out of the hands of Tatum or Brown. Like, I think there was a fit there. And now it's just he kind of has to be number two, number three. And that's not necessarily him. And Brooklyn is also just the worst possible matchup Boston could have drawn. So it's, it's also kind of exacerbated that way. And also, forty only cost them what two second rounders? Like I think you, that's fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, what you got for him is worth it. But I just think you could have went another direction, and it would have made this team a a little bit better.
2: I feel that. Like losing out on Aaron Gordon to Denver, like I think yeah, he would have like, he helped
0: them a lot. Like I like that. That would have been a good a good pickup for these guys.
2: I feel that. I feel
0: that. <laughs>
1: Okay, so we we all are in agreement on that one. Pretty much said and done. Um, let's stay in New York. Knicks, Hawks, and I know I we had texted a little bit about this because when I saw your pick, I was like, oh, what's what's talk to me about this? Uh, Trey Young, Game One, Trey's a problem. I guess Trey is to the Knicks what Ja is to the Jazz potentially. Um, what do you like here and why?
2: I'm curious to see if Tibbs is going to adjust on defense. That, me too. Okay. <laughs> that like, that's really what I'm going to be looking for in game two. And really just the rest of the series, because the Knicks have their base defense, right? Like it's dropped, but they're kind of playing their bigs closer to the level of the screen. You know, what pockets are going to be there. Pull-ups slash floaters are going to be there. You know how they're going to pre-rotate on the back line. You know what corners, what particular corner skip is going to be there. The issue is that if you're giving a playmaker, like Trey young, those predetermined reads, he is absolutely going to pick you apart. It's just going to be that it's going to come down to shot making because there's only so much you can do. And that's why it was fun watching that fourth quarter of the game where the Hawks go – they go double drag and get looks out of that whenever they want to. New York gets one stop. I think it was a Derrick Rose – it was either a block or a steal from Derrick Rose. And it's like, all right, cool, we're going to run some Spain, pick and roll now. They do that three straight assists, three straight three balls. And it's just like, well – well, not three straight three balls. It was the lob, the capella, and then two three balls. So it's just like you're giving Trey – Young, like you're you're giving Trey Young – easy money basically it did if you stuck start-
1: you're right i'm sorry to cut you off but you're right <laughs> so like there has to be um, some- But here's my deal what is the adjustment though right like because i questioned whether or not there's got to be some sort of trap and i'm not saying this every time but pick your spots you run two and hope that your size clouds his vision um, or Allen Hahn in our pregame stuff, he actually said, let him shoot because his percentages from three have been down and his teammates get frustrated if he just flame throwing and missing. So what what would you see as an adjustment? Uh, I think
2: knowing Tibbs and generally how aggressive he wants to play it. Like if there's going to be an adjustment, I would imagine they're going to be some traps because the dirty secret there is that like John Collins isn't a great passer on the move. Clint Capella isn't a great passer on the move. So like, I think there is some room there if you trap him, you know, as they're running like double drag or whatever, you get the ball out of his hands and he has to release it to the middle. Like I think the Knicks will have time to kind of rotate behind that because neither of those guys are quick decision makers or good passes on the move. So even if they do make the kick out, pass might be a little bit out of their shooter's pocket. They have to, you know, reach out to break the catch or dip down low, break the catch and buy time to ready to shoot. The Knicks are very good at closing out. So maybe that's your answer. But even with something like that, again, Trey is incredibly smart. So, you, I don't think you can just do that like eight or nine times in a row. Like, you have to mix that in. Yeah,
1: yeah for sure. For
2: sure,
1: for sure, for sure. Um, okay. Who else in the East? Wizards, Sixers. This isn't quite on the Boston Celtics level for me, but I definitely don't think the Wizards got enough to stop the Sixers at all.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they don't, they don't have enough wings. I think that's really what it boils down to. I mean, like, they don't have a great answer for Joel and B to begin with but when you don't have an answer for Joel and B and also you're starting three guards and also Tobias Harris has come to play like yeah. at a certain point there's only something you can do and like Washington isn't a great defense to begin with but they were mm-hmm. be- much better over the last month and a half of the season but in general like they have some very obvious weak points starting three guards against Philly is just asking to get mauled so as uh-huh. long as as long as Philly gets back in transition, like I also don't know how the Wizards score enough in the half court to really bother them that way. Like Bradley bill has been incredible. It just hasn't, he's been incredible in the regular season matchups too. And it just hasn't mattered.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. Am I missing anybody on the East? There's so many games and so many things happening. No, we went through all four, right?
0: Yeah, I think, I think we got it. I think that was it.
1: Um, okay. So, all right. All your picks, whatever, all things considered. One, two, skip around. Who do you like in each side's finals? Western Conference finals first.
2: Ooh, putting me on the spot. Come
1: um, on, dunker spot. Yes, uh, in the dunker spot.
2: <laughs> oh, man, I don't like this at all. Okay. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember what the seedings are. Cause I think the Mavericks Clippers series is the 4-5, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, well then yeah If that's the case, I I was looking At least coming into it, I was looking at A Clippers-Lakers conference finals Since they're in different brackets
1: Okay And in the east Probably Philly-Milwaukee Oh, so you got who is? Who does that mean? That means Philly takes out the Nets or Milwaukee takes out the Nets?
2: That means Milwaukee takes out the Nets Hmm I've been I've been on the Milwaukee train all year long. Like, I believe in their top-end talent. I like the fact that they've actually made adjustments throughout the regular season. They've already made an adjustment that stole Miami for a loop with going Giannis on Jimmy to start. So I, I just believe in them, and I also don't think Brooklyn has an answer for Giannis at all. Like, their best answer from a physical standpoint is whatever version of DeAndre Jordan this is. And we've seen how that's gone over the past two matchups. so i i'm still very high on milwaukee uh
1: i i don't know if i got them past the nets though because they don't have an answer for kd though i mean i I do think with the nets obviously do they have the stamina to get through like them dudes haven't played consecutive games i don't like are they injury prone that whole thing Mm -hmm. um but i how do you see the, the bucks dealing with kd assuming that all of them stay healthy
2: like I would imagine, it's going to be a lot of Giannis on KD.
1: Oh,
0: mm-hmm. but I mean, I guess that goes to the other point. That's why you have three superstars. I mean, you got Kyrie and James Harden to contend with too. So like, you're probably going to put Drew on 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 uh, on Kyrie, try to slow that down. But then you still got James Harden. Like, I mean, you could put Chris Middleton, I guess, but it's James Harden. You know what I'm saying? Like. I, I, I don't know. I think the Nets just have a little too much firepower. I mean, it's three superstars for a reason. I think they're going to be able to fill it up. And the way they defended last night, I, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be hard to beat them dudes.
2: It's definitely a lot of offensive firepower. Like, I just think the Bucks have enough counters, and they also have – I think they have the biggest mismatch in terms of the stars in that series. Like, I just don't think – Brooklyn has a real way to deal with Giannis. And just the type I of count. I'll oh,
1: tell you what. Match, he better hit some free throws down the stretch, or that is all for now Yeah,
2: none. that's that's also very true. He mm-hmm. can't have the 10-second violation that he had in, in game one. Man, <laughs> sure.
0: I've never seen that in all my years of playing basketball. I've never seen somebody get caught on 10 seconds at the free throw
1: line. I feel like I saw it in like elementary school, but not even just the 10 seconds. He was two for six in the last 106 six. You know what I'm saying? From the free throw line. Yeah. Like, nah, dude. That was at least in game one. Um, okay, so you got, ooh, wow, look at this. Milwaukee, Philly, LA, LA. Who's in the finals?
2: Uh, from there, I'm well, at this point, it's hard to believe the Clippers can beat the Lakers with the way they're dealing with Dallas. Like coming in, I was thinking Clippers net uh Clippers Bucks.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But it's probably Bucks Lakers at this point. Mm-hmm.
1: And continue the pyramid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: mm, You know what? I
1: might pick Milwaukee. I am about to say, are you about to do this? I I might go Milwaukee. You know what? I I will say, even at points while the Nets were throwing, were like, whatever, figuring it out, so-and-so not playing. I did think that Milwaukee was up to something special. So I'm not, I, that's not wild to me. Yeah. Um, I just, that. I mean, that Nets series, if they get past the Nets, then I'm probably all in on Milwaukee too. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. don't know if they get
2: past Yeah, like I'm very fine with staking my, uh, you know, planting my flag on a, a loosely populated Island. Like that's fine with me, but I just believe in what this team has been able to do. Like, I think they're really good on both ends. I like the adjustments they've made. And at the end of the day, there aren't many, if any answers for Giannis. And once you replace Eric Bledsoe with Drew Holiday, like that's such a massive bump on both ends of the floor and just gives Milwaukee another dimension, offensively in particular. It's a lot. It's a lot of talent. It
1: is a lot. It is a lot. Are you, so Drew Holiday, Tucker, maybe Bobby Portage, Should throw him in there. You think they've unlocked whatever their issues, their shortcomings have been in the postseason?
2: I think so. Like they have the bodies to comfortably switch now. Mm-hmm. And like the results have been a little hit or miss during the regular season because it's so new to them. But even in that game, um, but even in the game one against Miami, like they'd have broken a drop and then they're like switching one through four. They're switching certain actions and staying attached in others. Like they have at least shown early on that they can kind of game plan for specific things and in that way. And I think as they get more reps and get more confidence moving forward, like I think they're going to be even better. So I, I can see it for him.
1: Okay. I mean, it's, it's going to be super exciting. Okay, so that in mind, it brings me to my next question, which I've been, like, thinking over a lot in this playoffs, especially when you talk about the Lakers being a seven seed and the Phoenix being a 2 seed, of course, prior to the Chris Paul injury. But I think – I don't know if I really remember a period like this quite the way it is now, where we have this, like, younger superstars who you can tell are the future of the league, but we've got incredible superstars that are still playing. Like I mean, Braun's 36, like whatever. And and not that 32, what, 33 Steph is 33, Kawhi is somewhere in there, Paul George is somewhere in there. Not that those guys are old, but it feels like it's almost a tug of war mm-hmm. um, for the crown. Like I guess who do you think is the first of these new new guys to really break through? I mean, obviously Luca's been an all star because you know was in the running for MVP at some points this season. But who's the guy that kind of breaks through and brings his entire team, and is not just a solo all star?
2: Oh man, like I, I still think it's the easy answer, but Luca's got next. Like with the what he like- with the team? Like I feel like in a vacuum, the the Mavericks are probably like a wing creator short for being like a series creator but also that was my thought coming into the postseason and they have just completely blitzed the Clippers through two games and it hasn't mattered because Lucas sets the table in a way that it makes up for the difference in like seconds like the for all intents and purposes the Mavericks don't have a Paul George as a number two and it doesn't matter because Luca's singular gravity just opens up things for everyone else to where it's like a collective superstar number two if that makes sense like he's so good <laughs> as a playmaker like I, I think he's gonna be the next guy to really that he can have like a carry job in the postseason
1: okay i haven't you know luca's his rookie deal or whatever is up 2022 i have put out in the atmosphere that he could become a new york nick which i think <laughs> would be crazy um but it would just be so dope from like the international appeal and the whole bit uh mm-hmm. but we'll see I mean, that, that, listen, if Dallas is going to keep him, they certainly need to capitalize and make sure he's got the pieces he needs around him because that window don't last forever.
2: Right. I think they had, I mean, they were storing up cap space for Giannis run before he resigned to Milwaukee. So they're still going to, they still have the ability to be major players this summer. Now we don't know what this class is going to look like since everyone's resigned, but they have room
1: to make moves. Um. Okay. We. I mean, Wow. And I I understand that Cuban spends money. So I don't know if Dallas is a destination, but like from what I hear, their facilities and all that, like if you don't cut no corners in terms of being an attractive.
0: Yeah, it's probably not.
1: Bruce chimed in no state income tax. True, true. (laughs) That helps. True, true. That definitely helps. All right, guys, well, we enjoyed thoroughly picking your brain. We got to get you out of here on a buckets, boards, and block from
0: what, King? The NBA season? Um, let's do playoffs. Let's make it tough.
1: So far? Including the play-in?
0: Including the play-in.
1: Wait, guys, are you in on the play-in or out?
2: Uh, I'm fine with it. I want one tweak. Like, I want some sort of games back minimum. Like, I don't want it to be an automatic 7 through 10. Like, make sure the 10 seed is, like, within two games or three games or something like that.
1: Okay, so. NBA playoffs 2020 2021 including the play-in your bucket board or block your bucket first is give me more of this thing all the buckets we want buckets your board is "Mm, didn't love it but okay it kind of works kind of like a rebound you know you'd rather make the shot first but you'll take the rebound and then your block is that get that out of here you don't want any more of that thing Matumbo finger wag action on this year's playoffs what you got got you okay can i start with the block please but whatever it's Uh, the world you're the game
2: okay (laughs) okay if i'm starting with the block death the soft switches i'm so tired i'm so tired it's the technicality continue
0: (laughs) I'm,
2: i'm done like this is something i've been yelling about on my timeline on the podcast wherever i can like all throughout the season like we've been yelling at the kings all year long for the way they switch literally everything and have Rashawn Holmes defending it 40 feet in the back. But anyway, playoff version. The soft switching is killing me. Like, that's why the Clippers look the way that they look. That's why the Bucks were able to kind of get busy against Miami in game two. Please, fight over screens. The bucket is just the, the young talent showing out. Like, I've really enjoyed what Luke has done and what Trey's done and what Josh has been able to do. Like, give me more of the young talent being on television and hopefully the league does their part and continue to promote them so we don't have, like that's a whole nother podcast but please promote the young talent that's out there that aren't necessarily in the major markets i think that's dope
1: that was dope thank you to this week's guest nakias duncan make sure you check out his breakdowns on twitter follow him at nakias duncan or check him out at thebasketballnews.com we wish him continued success in all of his ventures thanks also to our producer bruce bernstein our editor kristen wooley who makes all of us sound good Please check out our Pure Hoops media shows. This week, the Mike Wise show features Mike and Bruce. Oh, wow, Bruce, look at you. Breaking down some early playoff action and rewriting a classic song in honor of Ja Morant. Full Court with Fisher and Kay has the best in college hoops. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin has Yo Van Bua of The Athletic breaking down the Lakers situation. BJ Armstrong is back with Eric Newman on the Pure Hoops podcast, which drops every Friday. And King and I are back next Thursday with a brand new edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks from Pure Hoops Media. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing.
0: Okay. Listen, everybody, please keep your guard up and go get the vaccine. Be smart and protect yourself and others when you're out in public. We are almost done with COVID. It's about to be behind us, so please don't let up. If you like Buckets Boards, and Blocks, please subscribe, rate us, review us, and leave us a five-star rating. It would mean a lot. Until we meet again, though. Monica, there's the basketball going on. So I'm gonna just go ahead and throw the oop like AD did to LeBron last night. And
1: enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.
2: If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging.